This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You can all lose like this, you know. Arsenal have 10 men and then you stay back and then you receive two easy goals. So if you stay back, it's difficult to win the game. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Here's Grealish, brilliant dribble there towards Wesley! with a brilliant bursting run on Wesley, the Predator. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me for the uh, preparation for the relegation part, <coughs> I mean the uh, My Old Man Said, uh, <laughs> look back at the Arsenal game, Mr. Dan Rogers from the Underground.com. Welcome. Hello, hello, hello. And Mr. Christopher Budd, welcome. Hello, Christopher. Hello. Hello. Hello, Christopher. Hello. So, uh, pleasant Sunday afternoon. Wonderful. Exciting game. Wonderful. Wonderful. Magical. Well, we'll be discussing that and getting into all the well, gory details because once again Villa were faced with 10 men and uh, didn't really take advantage of the situation, which is a bit of an understatement. But uh, hey ho, Arsenal. What are they? Uh, Cunts. You're. <laughs> <laughs> wow, is that what you really mean, Chris? I mean, uh, Europa League uh, team. Let's not even mention Europa, Europa League, League group on. stage reachers, champions, <laughs> elect. <laughs> anyway, coming up on the show, we look into uh, what went wrong for Villa yet again, and this time somehow we managed to uh, leave the Emirates uh, empty-handed. We'll get into that. Also, the three points takes us well, it takes us all over the, the world, all over the place uh, to cut it short, and uh, no Scott Hogan. We're putting Scott Hogan on ice again because he didn't even bother to play. Uh, he's actually third-choice striker. When they decided to freshen it up in their game against Brentford, uh, they didn't even bother looking uh, in the direction of Scott Hogan. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the... Uh, three points number one uh, i'll go first you could make a film about this there's always a big taboo about the situation about there's not enough british asian football 
players and you know do Asians in England get a fair crack when it comes to uh, getting into the uh, English Football League and uh, Kashif uh, Siddiqui I think that's how you pronounce it uh, is one of the few British recognised uh, British Asian professional footballers he's had a bit of a checkered history in terms of especially through injury and he's, he took oh, I think about five years out of the game he was playing in the States uh, and then more recently uh, was at Northampton training and then he ended up at Oxford but it hasn't actually played uh, for any of these teams. I mean, actually, I don't think he's played a competitive match for about 10 years now. He was born in Hammersmith, but he played once for a Pakistan 11. Uh, this is going back about 11 years ago. Anyway, he switched from Oxford United to uh, Real Kashmir. Like you do. Like you do, to uh, actually get some games Obviously, the peaceful, uh, tranquil borough of Oxford, he's switched to uh, the most <laughs> militarised and politically uh, contentious regions in the world. Must be interesting as, as someone who's turned out for a, for a Pakistani 11 to arrive in Indian-administered Kashmir. Like, it could be quite interesting for the old passport <laughs> stamping, couldn't it? And he's now staying with teammates in a hotel protected by armed guards who are on patrol also during training sessions. And the actual region itself is under curfew and public gatherings are banned. So Real Kashmir can't even play uh, their home games at their, their ground anymore. And normally they, they attract crowds of uh, 20,000. I think they've only been going three years, uh, if my research is correct. Already getting more than the Blues. Well, exactly, yes. So uh, that should be interesting to see. I mean, it kind of reminds me, because he hasn't really played for 10 years, but he's, he keeps getting uh, chances at clubs. It reminds me of that the guy, the Kaiser. There was a film about him, that Brazilian chap who, uh, what's his name, Carlos Enrique Raposo, who basically kept getting uh, moves, like lucrative deals to different clubs in Brazil. He'd, he'd turn up at training, he would fake injuries, and then he'd get a move away, and he would just earn his living by just getting contract after contract after contract without actually playing a game. Oh, they call but, that the Berka Bjarnason uh, rule. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no. Oh, I thought that was the Charles and Zogbia move. <laughs> Douglas Louise. <laughs> Going back to Siddiqui, may get a chance to play against uh, John Gregory's team. Who I think they won the Indian uh, Super League there, didn't they? Was it last season? And he extended his contract for another year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one uh, pans out. Anyway, point number two. This one's a bit closer to home. Uh, unfinished business, which finally, uh, I don't know what the holdup's been, but uh, Mr. Chris Budd, point number two. Birmingham City have been fined the capacity of Villa Park for the uh, Paul Mitchell punch on Grealish. A measly £42,500 of, uh, I would say, hard-earned cash, but that would be lying. <laughs> £1 for each Villa fan. So we'll have a whip round at Burnley for the incident. Which it's a lot of Villa cash, isn't it? That is a lot of, uh, yeah, you could, I mean, it's the choice of pay off the blues or prize where it lies. It's three Villa dogs. Now, in comparison, of course, Villa were fined £200,000 for... Uh, taking football back to the dark ages <laughs> after the uh, celebrations where the fans run on the pitch after beating West Brom. The club have submitted it used all due diligence but was found to have failed to ensure that its spectators and all persons purporting to be its supporters or followers conducted themselves in an orderly fashion, which is a bit of a strange way of wording it. Do they have pretend supporters that Surely turn up in their games? Are they like extras? Do they pay extras to turn up like actors? Hmm. Suspicious, isn't it? Very suspicious. This is a bit strange. Considering they only turn up for Villa Blues. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're, they're paid to just to make it, you know, look respectable. Just picking up on this, the Villa Park West Brom one was Dark Ages 
two, wasn't it? Because Dark Ages one was in that Carlin Cup quarterfinal at St Andrews, where that was like a fucking war zone. Wasn't that it? was a war zone. That was a hairy evening. Well, that, was that was flares <laughs> going everywhere, chairs, a police line in yeah. the middle of the pitch. It was like horse. Yeah. And how much did they get fined for that? Peanuts. Birmingham were fined twenty thousand when a further 20,000 suspended and were warned as to their future conduct. So, you know, potentially a 40,000 fine for quite a lot of supporters running on the pitch. Serious, and, and serious, serious disorder. And, da- and criminal damage. So it seems that if you do shit at St Andrews, you, you, you find hardly anything. Because what happened at Villa Park was more like joyous celebration. What happened at St Andrews in the Carling Cup quarterfinal was like a war zone, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, in comparison, sort of West Ham were fined 115,000 for running on the pitch and provo- what's considered provocative behaviour. Reading were fined 100,000 for an incident against Bradford where the fans came on the field. Millwall were fined for racist chanting. It's- In a nutshell then, how much would you have fined them, Chris? At least 100 grand. Because that seems to be par for the course. Yeah. I'd have probably put them into administration. I mean, I'm with my <laughs> friend, Mr. Rogers, to be honest. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Dan, Dan, Dan does, does traditionally likes to take a hard line. I've been to that football ground. I was there the night that David Ellery lost control. That was a horrible night. I mean, there's not a lot of scrap value. There's a lot of plastic seats. <laughs> and the land value is not great either. Oh, it's terribly, it's toxic. It's toxic. <laughs> it stinks of manure, the waft of manure. Oh, my goodness. But 42,000. <laughs> £42,000 is, that's one player's wages. That is just insulting. Yeah. But it, it's is it more than a coincidence that I, that is the capacity of Villa Park? It's like they forgot about it as well, wasn't it? The yeah. That it's suddenly, oh yeah, oh shit, uh, that'll do. Who, who's their arch rivals? How can we wind them up the most? I'll make it 42500 Very specific, <laughs> that 500 as well. I do quite like that. Very, yeah, I think it, I think somebody's got a sense of humour at the FA. Anyway, point number three, Mr. Dan Rogers. A Norwegian beast unleashed on the Champions League. It's the story of 19-year-old son of Alf Inge Haaland. You'll remember him, former Manchester City and Leeds United midfielder, who uh, was on the end of that awful challenge by Roy Keane. The 19-year-old son of has scored a hat-trick on his Champions League debut and, and that puts him on par with a with a feat not achieved since uh, Wayne Rooney did the same in, in 2004. They beat Ghent 6-2. So the funny thing about this kid is that he, he seems to be perpetually growing and he made reference in an interview in, in November 2017 to the fact that he'd only grown five centimetres uh, and, and last year he re- made reference to the fact that he'd grown 11 to 12 centimetres. I mean, this is a 17-year-old who's going to be, frankly, a giant. I mean, in a Villa context, I suppose that the problem that we'd have if this was Wesley, it would just be one of his legs that had grown <laughs> 11 to 12 centimetres. That looks like there's, there's, there's big things ahead for this kid and he's, he's got 17 goals in nine games for Red Bull Salzburg or Already this season, so uh, don't be surprised if uh, he grows to be bigger than than me and you, or even Kuru. Oh, one more thing. Uh, let's just go over to our Iranian desk, Mr. Dan Rogers. So the latest news from Iran that I'm now entrusted with on a weekly basis is that FIFA have have told Iran that they need to allow women into their stadiums. You know, like any first world normal country, I suppose. So they, they've got to do it ahead of the uh, the Human Rights Cup, as we're billing it here, which is the upcoming game in October against Cambodia. Now they're my my research has shown me that this is quite a group. If you wanted a, a league of human rights infractions, this is a group containing Bahrain, Iran, Iraq, Cambodia and newly arrived Hong Kong who are, who are fresh oppressing their population. So uh, uh, get your tickets now. Before we move on to the Arsenal game, I just want to give a big shout out and thank you to uh, Shane. And he signed up as Shane fucking Dooley. I think he... Uh, <laughs> 
took a shine to my uh, sentiments towards uh, Huddersfield Town. Uh, Dave Boston and also Ivan Millard, thank you very much for signing up as My Old Man Said patrons and supporting the show. Please do go to myoldmansaid.com and check out uh, the Patreon option to get more details there and sign up. We are now doing uh, regular weekly shows uh, one called The Anti Preview, which is uh, it's a little bit more than your normal preview which tend to be a bit boring and they kind of go out of date after two days but uh, this preview we have a, f- a few more laughs with the uh, opposition and also uh, we are doing one called Meanwhile, which is uh, Meanwhile in the rest of the uh, Premier League and also the world of football. So check it out there. Right then, the Arsenal game. Hmm. As Mr. Rogers says, uh, I think you said on Twitter after the game, Villa managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory against 10 men. Yep. I mean, this is a, it's, it's always interesting, the reaction. Well, it's not interesting anymore, but the different spins that come out of this game. There's people saying, oh, we we rattled a top six team, blah, blah, blah. No, we didn't. This is the worst Arsenal team. Uh, some, Arsenal, some Arsenal fans have said it's the worst Arsenal team in the last 30 years. Probably right. I mean, this is the Arsenal team that choked against Watford, bottom of the league. Watford, uh, let me just add, in spectacular fashion, uh, throwing mm. away a 2-0 lead. Arsenal... There's so many teams in transition now, it's hard to gauge what is a good result. But, you know, as as Norwich did, you just beat what's in front of you. They beat Manchester City. They weren't making excuses uh, before the game uh, going into it. They just put their head down and took care of business. And that's how I think, especially early doors in the season, where Arsenal... Spurs, they're going to be much better come the second half of the season. But at the moment, they're there for the you know they're there for the taking. Mm. If you get yourself in a position in a game where you can take them, and I mean we'll discuss the game, but uh, ultimately we played ten men for more than you know a half, and we were actually when they went down to ten men, we were up. I mean, if we were level, I would I would have probably had some concern trying to break them down because obviously Villa are uh, not exactly uh, hot in that department. Anyway, let's start from the beginning. Uh, and Villa looked great. They were looked like they were in control. Mm. And it was competitive at the start. You were just basically waiting for Arsenal to go through the gears. But it, that didn't really happen. Uh, I mean, what was your views, Chris, in the, the opening exchanges? I think... Both teams kind of came out of the traps pretty quickly. It was quite a good first half in general for the neutral, I thought, because it was kind of both teams sort of throwing punches without really having those big openings. I, I think for actually the way Arsenal was set up, especially in the middle of the park, it actually played into our hands for once mm. than being because they were quite open. I wouldn't ever class Arsenal as kind of a nasty team who were going to bully you physically. And it seemed to play into the hands of sort of Grealish, who actually got a bit of time on the ball to play. McGinn could drive through the middle of the park. I thought Marvellous had another good game, especially in the first half. I thought Trezeguet had probably the best 45 minutes to an hour he's had in a Villa shirt yet. I thought he was... He was him and um, Gilbert on the right-hand side were had a really good partnership, especially going forward. You saw exactly how Smith wants them to play and he wants them to bomb on as a pair. I thought we had a lot of energy and I, and I, and I would, would say that, you know, at halftime we were probably good value for the lead. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at halftime the feeling was, oh, this 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 is looking uh, rosy. I mean, at early doors there was a few things I thought, eh, we, we haven't learned from West Ham. I mean, there was a chance, uh, I think it's just before around eight, ten minutes where uh, I think, I don't know if it was Al Ghazi flashed it into Wesley, but it was one of those where suddenly like, hang on a minute, there's only Wesley in the box here. He was surrounded by Arsenal players and the ball came out and it basically came out onto the edge of the 18 and he thought why is not McGinn or Grealish there because this is you know this is a ball that's it's asking for it but then uh, late you know then Grealish also 
there was still that kind of niggling thing where we were doing the hard work. Like 10 minutes later, Grealish broke through the middle with purpose. And then I think he tried an outside of the foot uh, ball to the right-hand side. But it wasn't really you know, played with any kind of uh, conviction or snap on it. And he just thought, he's done the hard bit. Why, why when it's just a matter of uh, sliding in the winger, is he trying something uh, that just seemed to be uh, as a lack of confidence? It was strange because actually when, when we played a very simple game, as is normally the case with Villa, when we just played really simply and incisive and at pace, we really hurt them. Like when Trezeguet, yeah. it was like the simple balls down the channels or just down the line or letting Gilbert or Trezeguet just run with the ball, just get you up the field quickly. Arsenal were kind of like, oh shit, they're actually coming to have a go at us today. Which obviously, you know, a lot of teams will go to Arsenal and park the bus. Villa didn't in the first half. Yeah, and what we've been screaming for is for the you know the the centre mids at least one of them to uh, get up there and support uh, Wesley and be a threat on any cross. I mean, actually go, transpired, him, yeah. yeah, and actually transpired. And as you said, El Ghazi got a simpler ball in, and there was McGinn to obviously uh, put it away. And at that stage, you know, regardless of uh, the sending off, you thought, oh, actually, this is, this isn't too bad. Okay, you know, maybe uh, Arsenal might go through the gears as I mentioned, but in that moment, we were looking pretty decent. I mean, I thought in the first. First half, if I was a, an Arsenal fan, I'd be saying, well, clearly we're technically the better team and we're playing very nice, the usual tick-attacker Arsenal football where it's one or two passes too many all the time. But Villa were on top because Villa were working harder. Yeah. And when, we, when we didn't have the ball, we worked so hard to get it back and then we'd try and push you know, through the gears a little bit to, to try and get up you know, and support Wesley where possible, who I thought, while he was frustrated at times, I actually thought he put a bit of a shift in. He worked reasonably mm. hard. I thought McGinn worked tirelessly to get up as close to him as possible. I thought the two wide men were better than they were in previous weeks. Because there was a lot of talk, obviously, going into this game about Arsenal's defence. I mean, this is obviously from Arsenal fans. And, you know, they were even to the point of if they don't win this, then it should be uh, Emery out time, which, you know, is usual for Arsenal fans. And, you, and mm-hmm. you, you have to play on stuff like that, don't you? you, you that has exactly. to play to your advantage, which they did well. But you you have to keep going, yeah. which we'll come on to that they clearly didn't do because it's in their mind, uh, and obviously they're looking to put that right. And it's the manager's been publicly talking about it, talking about mixing it up and going a bit longer. So there's a seed of doubt in there, and that's the thing you've got to uh, pour the water on and, and try to get that doubt growing. Especially when you know when the the red card comes, which I think the referee generally got most of the decisions through the game right the red card being one of them. You could see their fans when they when they sort of trudged off at half time, they clearly weren't happy. Yeah. Mm. And actually Maitland Niles had probably been their kind of outball and the one who looked to be causing Taylor especially. Uh, him and Nicholas Pepe caused him all sorts of problems down the right. They looked the most likely to make something happen. So that must have given Villa a, um, you know, Villa a psychological boost thinking we can actually get at these guys a bit more now in the second half. Did did you not think that the the halftime whistle came at a great time for Arsenal though? Forget yes. about the halftime whistle. I've got a question for you, Rogers. Go for it. You got a player on the ground. He's injured, mm. and the mm. ref and he's on a yellow, and he's going to get another yellow, and it's undisputable. Why wait for like five minutes <laughs> until <laughs> until they kind of oh uh, yeah let's take why don't just give him that second yellow, give him the red card, and get him off the fucking pitch as quickly as possible. It's the theatre, David. It's the it's the drama. It's the what? <laughs> Will you never be satisfied? Are you not entertained? <laughs> Are you I, not entertained? I enjoyed it's it. The slow kill of a trophy hunt. <laughs> I enjoyed it. You know, lot. like a fat American, you've just got to lie across lie across the kill, haven't you? Like a Premier League referee enjoys doing, and take a picture of yourself. 
Take a picture of yourself. <laughs> it does put that. Oh, is, what's he going to? Is he not sending him off? What's what's going on here? Because <laughs> I mean, you know, some fans wouldn't have realised that he's already had a yellow, and the referee mm. was walking around with a yellow in his hand. Well, forty thousand day trippers to the Emirates certainly weren't even paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> they were so they were tucking into their popcorn, weren't they? They were, they were, and then he flips yeah. flips out the red, and off he goes. Obviously, it was a second yellow, but yeah. Now at that <laughs> stage, you're thinking, "Oh, happy days, one nil up, ten men." Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is Aston Villa. But this everybody. is Aston Villa, and to be fair, I mean, Arsenal did find a bit of their old spirit, but uh, we'll yeah. we'll get on to that. I mean, I think Dean Smith does better when he's down to ten men than he does against ten men. You know, based on our experience so far. Mm. I, th- I think a couple of things happened in, in, in game that, especially around the red card, that uh, Arsenal had half time to regroup and I think that they, they'd had a particularly subdued opening 45. There was no way we could keep up the level of intensity that we'd we'd built. I think our subs were very, very late. But I think that what, what's been mentioned before, and I've sort of been sitting listening here really, that the, the midfield battle was the key and we were on top. We were on top for long periods. We always had the red card that went in our favour. Um, but we stopped doing what, what was so successful and what created our goals, which was that, that burst beyond the striker or in support of Wesley that we spoke about in the last podcast. That If you look at the goals today, McGinn's in an advanced position um, for the for the second goal that, that Wesley gets, that, that uh, Grealish does that fantastic burst, um, not, not only from deep, but to the byline essentially and cuts the ball back for Wesley. And those are the things that, when for for some reason, um, when either we tired or, or our tactics changed, or, or from 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 instruction off the pitch, we, we we lost our way. I mean, the main thing that changed it was just the intensity that Arsenal mm. were playing with. I mean, you know, for example, there was one moment where the Villa centre back—I can't remember if it was Mings or Engels—was you know just had the ball, was taking it out the back, and suddenly the furthest three mm. Arsenal. All, all of them charged at him, and he obviously panicked and you know released it waywardly. And I was thinking, wow, we haven't got that. Yeah, you know, we haven't got that left. We yeah. either we're being a bit complacent because in the back of the heads they're thinking, oh, we're playing ten men here. We you know we can just play it cool and ride this one out. But Arsenal were were like were playing like a team possessed. I mean, kind of props to them. But at the same time, you know, in the Premier League, you got you got a man advantage for a good chunk of time over a half. And you want, I, and you one nil up as well. It, I thought there was a bit of a contradiction in in what we were trying to do. That the key moment that Smith Smith made the same, in my view, error that he did against West Ham. That we we saw Al Mohamedi, and, and I'm actually a fan. I think that technically he does bring things to the team. But what stage did he come on? Well, exactly, and then it was it was it was late. But my, the the contradiction I'm referring to was that we we were getting deeper, we were retreating on the pitch, and that that message wasn't getting through. And because Smith was was balling the team forward but in my view that if you bring Al Mohamedi on that's a defensive switch yeah completely in, in my head and that's what he was doing and, yeah and it seemed it seemed contrary to then see him trying to wave the team up the pitch do you know what I mean at, at a time where yeah we were playing against 10, 10 men but actually we we should have been looking to get the third and and it seemed to be that he sent the wrong message with the substitution and also with the type of player that he brought on and then his message onto the field was was the opposite of what he could achieve with the player that he brought. So it was, you know, there's been some mention that he should have brought Davis on. You know, I, I don't think Davis is a complete player, but I, I absolutely do think he would have given Arsenal something to think about and would have reinforced any any message that Smith wanted to put onto the pitch that we should be further up it. And a bit strange for me. What Davis on for who? Um, because hmm. I mean, we 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 really struggled to keep any any semblance of. Uh possession well exactly and and we needed someone who could hold the ball i think davis could have done that but are we talking about going two up top 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think that we we could have done that. I think that would have given Arsenal, lacking a man, they would have had to have commit someone, an additional player back, and it would have given them food for thought. And then we could go Um, longer on the counter. Well, Davis, uh, Davis, I think, can hold the ball better than Wesley as well. And, you know... I just think Al Mohamedi was was the wrong sub, and then as I say, the the tactics that seem to be being pushed on onto the field from from the from the dugout, it, it just didn't work at all. And I think it invited what inevitably happened. Because at the stage where Arsenal, I mean, they got the penalty, which uh, I don't know what Eng- uh, Engels was doing because uh, clumsy. It was clumsy at the end of the day. Well, he plants his foot, doesn't he? Allows the player to just go. There you go. Just go over my leg because no, exactly. well, it's going to be a penalty. It's a, such yeah. an easy decision for the ref. He put it on a plate for him, but then. You thought, ah, fuck. But the way that Villa, within 89 seconds, Mm. Wesley had put Villa back ahead. Mm -hmm. And with half an hour to go, you thought, well, that's going to, that's a slap in the face. Slap in the face for Arsenal. And there's there's surely only one way this is going to go now. We've got regain the momentum and this should uh, Mm. kick on. Great response, actually. Yeah, no, completely. And so that was the surprise that, I mean, if Arsenal had continued after they'd equalised to uh, give us hell and then gone 2-1 up, then you think, well, this is bullshit. But the fact that we actually yeah. got ahead again, reversed that momentum, although just temporarily, you thought, well, you know, here we go. Mm-hmm. And we did need that third goal ASAP. We needed to be two goals ahead, really, didn't we? I mean, this is where Smith's message of, and I mean, it's been the same ever since he's arrived at Villa and he's sort of talked a good game with it in that, you know, if, you, if you're 1-0 up with 10 minutes to go, if you're 2-1 up, whatever... You go and get the third because I think if we'd have got the third, it would have killed the game. Yeah, completely. If we had just gone um, two goals, two goals ahead against ten men, then I think that they wouldn't have believed they could have won that game. I mean, I'm talking about Arsenal. I think so. we had, yeah, we had the spell at the start of the, of the second half where we missed a couple of good chances, and you thought Villa are very much on top here. I think Arsenal probably mm. thought, Do you know what, if we can ride out this period, we might be able to grow back into the game, which they did. Villa obviously gifted the penalty. Then to go behind, if you're them, you must be thinking. Ah, oh, maybe we've we've kind of fucked this, but then they would have probably been expecting the Villa onslaught, you know, and 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 because the first ten minutes of the second half, Villa actually looked to be trying to control the tempo of the game. Yeah. They were playing it along the back, they were playing through the fielders, through the lines and stuff. You thought, oh, that Villa looked to have a certain amount of control in possession, and then we kind of took the lead again. And whether it was we ran out of steam, I don't know. I don't know. I think it might be a fitness thing. It. Yeah. Because I just think we we just yeah. ran out of legs. It was the same against West Ham, where you think at two one, that's that's where you go stick or twist, isn't it? You go right. Are we going to be proactive? Then you make the change. We've taken the lead. Yeah. Now we're going to go and kill the game. Not we've taken the lead, and now we're going to just see we'll see what happens. The, the two the two two obvious things, if if you like, and these these are the obvious things from from my end with the benefit of hindsight, and you can you know you, you start looking at you know the highlights and you you think well that that's obvious that he's blowing and he's you know for me in game you can, both McGinn and Grealish's matches were probably run at seventy minutes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. For me, um, we, we've we've got to you know it takes a very brave manager I think to take off two marquee players, but. I think, especially against when you're thinking, well, we probably do need a third. I think the second, the second thing, just as a final point, that coincided was that I think it also coincided with both of our centre halves making a chronic mistake in game. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And that hasn't happened. Uh, really all season. I think the Engels one that you just mentioned, but also how Mings didn't deal with, with the ball um, in heading it in between uh, Taylor and uh, the Arsenal striker for the second. Yeah, I mean, that second goal is horrible. The more you watch it back, it's just pathetic defending. Two mistakes that result in, in obviously, goals for, for, a, for a slick team like Arsenal is you, you can't gift a team with they've got 10 or 11 players on the pitch. So those are the two things for me. I think our fitness, our, our game was run at 70 minutes and we needed some subs and, t- and two dreadful mistakes. That uh, Guendoza, Matteo Guendoza, the Arsenal player. Yes, with a stupid Yeah, how haircut. do you pronounce that? Fuck knows. <laughs> so to, side yeah, Sideshow number two, Sideshow Junior, Matteo, who I thought was David Luiz a few times from behind. He's, uh, his hair. He had a good game. Yeah, he's though. for 20 years old. He certainly, I mean, he Very drove good. them on. He was the difference in terms of transitioning mm. 10 men into a winning team. Yeah, all he we had a 20-year-old South American. <laughs> and a special oh. word for uh, Mr. <laughs> Kalinac, who made an appallingly embarrassing job of trying to get Wesley sent off. Uh, but it makes uh, makes a change from Wesley trying to get himself sent off for uh, diving. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> As we discussed in the uh, the last show, if you remember that. Nice to see him in front of goal, to be honest, though, and actually getting chances, because I'd imagine he's been pretty frustrated. You know, His, his actual mm. shots-to-goals ratio at the moment must be actually really pretty good. Yeah, no, that's... Because that's... Yeah, every time he gets in the six-yard box, he seems to bury it. Do we know at this stage what happened to Douglas Luiz? He's in Brazil partying. I don't know where the, where the surprise is. Smith didn't select him, did he? Well, no, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Did he say after the game, why? Did he say why? Yeah, yeah, he just simply said, Marvellous had had a good game against West Ham. I've got Lansbury, I've got Hurahan, I've got the options for this one. He didn't He didn't fit into my plans. Because you would be thinking at that stage, and if you, you know, if this goes for Lansbury as well, uh, then it's time to take off Grealish or McGinn if they're blowing, as you guys yeah. as <laughs> phrased it. 
I think they, mm. they they can't be immune to being pulled off if they're if they've put in a good shift and both of them had. I thought actually Grealish had one of his better games since he's been back in the Premier League. McGinn had a fantastic kind of first hour, but if you need to make that change for the good of the team, even if it's a potentially unpopular one, you have to make that. That's part of you know being a strong manager, being proactive, and giving the opposition something different to think about. Because if you if you lose the energy of McGinn, that's the main thing that he brings to the team. Because I, I don't see what Smith was doing there to combat the fact that we were so deep and they were pressing us and you know they they were so intense. There was no like we didn't have any wide men. For example, we we look at that bench. I mean, I looked at it before the game as I did in the last you know all season so far, and you just think there's no, nothing there where you can like right <laughs> we're in this situation right we're going to bring on this guy and it's going to completely change the dynamic of things. And what we needed was fast you know fast guys on the wings basically set up for the counter because if we're getting pressed in like that and they're swarming us you, you know it's just long ball counter attack to the wing but you've got elmo who's not the fastest guy no, no. al ghazi who uh he's hot and cold mm. and i mean we, we spoke before about when you're playing like the top teams and you know you still consider arsenal as one of the top teams there was always the potential that you could go for that two defensive midfielders the two deeper sitters nakamba and louise and both of them are reasonably cool on the ball. And then you've got a platform to actually have some possession and try to take the sting out of uh, you know Arsenal's tenacity. But that's why today was it was a great example of how I think that we're, we're still feeling our way in this division. Because that though Yotta didn't set the world on fire against against West Ham, and, and this is where I'm, I'm linking into my observation of Greedish at 70 minutes, you, you could swap a Yotta into, into the tempo and the pace of today's game at 70 minutes. And I think it would make sense. You know, you're not going to get bags and bags of pace but you'll get composure you'll get you know neat interplay and I don't understand why those players didn't appear when you know we've got limited options like you say off the bench and and, and I'll go back to my earlier point about Davis that Davis is far from the complete footballer still a development footballer if anything but for where we're at in terms of either protecting a lead or even building upon it with 10 men was the obvious choice me. Yeah, because if you get him, if you get him up close to Wesley, and you can play a bit longer yeah. ball, and it's, yeah, 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 you know they can hold it up and play between themselves, and, but basically take minutes off the clock as well, exactly. and give exactly. give Arsenal something to think about rather than just giving exactly. them a free run at us. It's uh, baffling, actually. It was annoyingly similar to the Spurs game, and that's where mm. I know I mentioned it online. Other people have, various people in the press have said Smith and Villa, well, they haven't learnt. Yeah. Mm. There's little things that they're just not learning. Now, maybe Smith, you know, after the game, he's come out and said, you know, I didn't want them to play that. We didn't know it's not in the plan to sit deep. But there's a reason why that team is dropping back to their 18-yard mm. line and kind mm. of retreating. Against 10 Cause men. Because that that's not in Grealish, <laughs> yeah. the way Grealish plays. It's not how McGinn plays. I can't imagine it's how Nakamba plays. And you kind of think, well, if their races run, you know, you've got Horahan, you've got Lansbury, you've got people who will get on the ball and play. Because I think if you Horahan, if you control possession of the ball cleverly, you know, the whole game management, you win that game. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I tweeted sort of flippantly that a good team would have put five past Arsenal today. And they would have, mm. because they would have just bided their time, picked them off on the break. Because Arsenal's defence, let's be brutally honest, is poor. Yeah. yeah you know, their front line will rescue them in numerous games they did today but more often than not their back four will be their Achilles heel and we saw a glaring example of what Dean Smith has flagged already about we have not had that domination of possession and you know when you've got an extra man that's always a good uh, leg up to allow yourself to have that kind of domination of possession it's playing smart isn't it and we yeah. haven't yet and we we didn't put Arsenal under pressure at any stage when they were down to 10 men 
and it's also the thing of um, sustained you know, pressure. You know, yeah, and we've talked about the whole thing of like fitness and running their race. And I think you look at the really top sides and they conserve energy by letting the ball do the work. I always think, having seen Villa this season, they're having to work so hard from the word go to win it back, to push on. To, it's a very dynamic game and it makes for a great 45 minutes to watch in the first half. But you can't sustain that for 90 minutes. Whereas if you've got control of the ball, you can pick your time and go, right, now we're going to go. You actually have a little bit in the tank, don't you? And this is meant to be the hallmark of how Dean Smith plays. It, people make excuses at the end of games in hindsight, but we are talking. It doesn't matter who we're playing: West Ham, Arsenal. Oh yeah, they're going to be. You know, they're going to they're going to be in the Champions League this season. Or they, you know, we've given a Europa League team a good game. It doesn't matter. You have in game, you have an opportunity to win. And at this level, at this time of the season, a lot of teams are finding their feet. You know, they're not at full strength. You know, Norwich beat Manchester City, as we mentioned earlier. And if you have an opportunity, you've got to beat them. You've got to take points from where you can get them. I mean, it's we've got one win in six now. And uh, who are you highlighting for wins? It doesn't work like that at this moment in time because we don't know what we are. We, we don't know where our level is. So if you've got opportunities, let's be, face it. West Ham were never looking like they were going to win that game against Villa. It was up to Villa to turn it on. Yeah, and against yeah. Arsenal, just break it down. You're 1-0 up. You're against 10 men. It's half-time. What more do you want going into a second half? I mean, it was almost like the perfect first half of Villa. Smith would have bitten your hand off to say, right, you'll be 1-0 up against 10 men and you'll be dominating. Any team, yeah. Any team would have loved Any that. Any team. You know, mm. Arsenal are always going to have little chances, but I don't remember, you know, Heaton having, you know, he had a couple of sort of saves you'd expect him to make very routine ones but Arsenal weren't all over us at any point with 11 men yeah and it's you know he said it himself it's just a, again we get it's kind of becoming a really fucking boring broken record it's another opportunity missed because yeah. we could very easily unfortunately we could be unbeaten well, there, are, there are much harder tests that lie in front of us I think as well if we'd beaten Arsenal today like we should have done and uh, we beat West Ham, and this is not, you know in game the opportunity was there. We you know we would be uh, knocking on the top four at the moment, and it's a fine margin. But I'm I mean today's example, I started to get that feeling: are we that team that? Oh yeah, they're you know they're competitive in a game, but they just don't have that luck, or they just don't have that mm. kind of end product. And these are the teams that gets a round of applause after the game, but then they get relegated because they just didn't take their opportunity. Finally, they had that bad luck, or you know whatever excuse. I just don't want to be that team because you. You know the feeling of a team when it's getting relegated and uh, mm. hopefully we can uh, stop that. I mean, it's always been a pet peeve of mine, this thing of, oh, but, but we played well. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, mm. I mean, we said this, you know, in little periods during the, the early Smith reign is, you know, is good football winning football? You know, I'd have much rather played like park the bus, nick a 1-0 and grind it out. But as we've said numerous times, this Villa team under Smith, we don't grind his team that's not what his teams do they didn't do it at Brentford they didn't do it at Warsaw they don't play mm -hmm. badly and win that's what newly promoted teams have to do you have to go away and nick the win at Arsenal you know if you go there and blow a team away fair enough but you're not just going to turn up to these to every, you know every team you play against play expansive football have 70% of the ball and blow them away sometimes you have to be a bit more pragmatic and just get the fucking job done but going back into that the 10 game running win we did play badly and win in that run and that's mm -hmm. what kept it going because you know we we kind of uh, took our foot off the pedal and you know the Rotherham game where we almost threw it away kamikaze style but we we managed to grind that out so there is mm -hmm. that sp spirit there but obviously we're playing a lot lower level of opposition then and, and potentially you can get away with it we're playing a lot lower level of opposition I think that there was a, there was a 
somehow they'd managed to form quite a close unit of players in in the short time that they'd been at the club, but since been largely disbanded. And, and I think that the the other thing that's occurred to me in the last couple of weeks, particularly, is that this is frighteningly new territory for our head coach. The Smith is finds himself in a division against some of. You know, not just the best players, the best coaches, yeah. some of the best setups, some of the. You know, we're talking. Uh, Villa have t- took a step up and have the benefit of having been able to dip in and spend hundred plus million pounds. You know, we we come up against teams who've who've got hundreds of millions of pounds of and in years of advancement. You know, this isn't just about us reappearing into the Premier League and being the plucky newcomers as as we've been discussing. We, I'm not sure Smith's playing the game plan that's necessarily served him well through his managerial career really and I think t- today I-, I thought that I thought that against Spurs I thought it against Bournemouth uh, you know and I-, and I thought it again against against West Ham where I thought there's I think maybe we're, we're we're trying to adapt here and we're feeling our way and we're not we're not making all the right choices tactically you know we've been sold this notion or we're being marketed this notion that, that Smith is, is free thinking radical and well you know it's uh, we've got to be entertaining with with a win at all costs kind of approach I don't see that. I know, I know there's been a conservatism, uh, both with selection and, and in and in game substitutions. That I says mean, that uh, Jack Grealish admitted that you're talking about conservatism. Uh, you know, he's he said he mm. hadn't really gambled and hadn't played. You know, played yeah. in that zone where it's too deep. Far sorry, too deep. zone just like in terms of you know mentally as well, where you you know that's that's mm. where you see who's great, you know, who's a great player and who dictates a game mm. and who influences a game. I mean, McGinn said the same. Ming said it after the game at Arsenal. Smith has mentioned it, that this, this thing of we've got to believe when you go on the pitch, you've got to, do you know what? Yeah, we can hurt these because when you go in at half-time at Arsenal and you're 1-0 up against 10 men, if you're a half-decent Premier League side, you've got to go, this is our opportunity and we're going to take this. Yeah, that's that's what you should you be know, saying at half time. Twenty sure. twenty five minutes to go against West Ham. You've got to be looking over at your bench at Smith when their guys walking off down the tunnel, going right. What are we going to do now? Let's go for the win. Yeah. Mm. Are you going to change it? Are we going to go for this? And that's what the fans want to see. I'd have happily seen us lose today if we'd have actually got like really gone for it in the second half and gone. Do you know what? Mm. We're going to try and kill the game, but we might get picked off on the break. People would go, well, it's frustrating, but it happens, and they're a good team, and they can pick you off. But we went for it. But don't part the bus and then fail to... It's like we're almost stuck between two plans. Don't park the bus and then not try to pick them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been stuck between two plans because if I look at some of the those teams who, like, for instance, under Mourinho, if he wanted to shut a game down, he could make it mm. turgid. Like when he was at Inter, mm. I remember when Inter beat, was it Barcelona? And he just went, Do you know what? We're gonna we're in a great position. We are gonna ruin this game. Yeah. Well, that was and a Mourinho and, and, team with a with a with a striker who'd never scored any goals, and they won the Champions League. You know, he, <laughs> you know, he was the architect of, of like you say, shut, shutting down shutting down any opposition team through oh, organisation, ruthless game management. Yeah. You know that everyone had a role, and I think that the annoying thing about today is that you know we've just talked in huge swathes about how we got ourselves despite Arsenal getting back into the game, within a minute or half a minute, we're ahead again. Yeah. And we had half an hour to dictate what happened. And the crazy thing is it was almost, part of me thinks, did we think the job was done? You know, and then that, that comes down to individuals as much as anything. Because, I mean, psychologically, as, as we've already mentioned, you thought, right, yeah, we're going to win this game. That's there, yeah, there's, the, exactly. there's the bloody proof of the, the pudding. Because that's where the thing of, you, in your head, you're thinking, well, Smith tells us he's going to go for broke. This is his perfect opportunity to put his plan in to action against a good side or if you want to shut the game down shut it down properly yeah 
Mm. You know, if you want to do that, you 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 bring on. You know, in years, you know, in last season, it would be you'd bring Glenn Whelan or Mila Yedinak on or whoever. You know, you'd bring on your spoiler, yeah. but mm. you bring on Al Muhammad. It's a bit of a nothing change, or you there was no obvious sort of right. We're going for it, or right, we're clearly parking the bus now, and we're going to go five mm. at the back because we could have actually gone five at the back and probably shut them down. Well, it didn't freshen anything up, though. I mean, Al Muhammad. It's not Al Muhammad's fault he gets brought on, by the way, but it, it makes that it sends absolutely the wrong message as well. That you that was a great opportunity where you could have just to bring some 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 fresh legs in that middle part of the pitch where you can you can consolidate what you've got and the the huge benefit that I mean, I've spoken already that we could have gone two up quite easily. That you can, you can stretch the game, you can waste the game, you can do. But but why we fell back on our eighteen yard line when we were in complete control? This isn't the greatest most fluid Arsenal team without any real out ball really yeah I mean we haven't got wingers who are like pacey and trick you know they're they're basically you know you know the ones that get you off your seats Mm. the ones that can uh, engage with their whole you know back line once they're they're charging down the wing the ball's in front of them and off they go do you think it's just a lack of belief I don't think so personally because I I think that even in in game you saw that if if you do that Grealish burst through and demonstrated that you know that free-flowing style where you can you can be creative burst into the space cut back you score you know Wesley's finish was very 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 tidy that was the proof for me that there's belief And there's there's clearly enough to suggest over what we've seen so far and again at the Emirates that, well, we can clearly compete at this level. Let's let's talk about the the incident, the supposed handball incident Mm. where Mm. everybody's in claret and blue uh, glasses at this stage and saying that's a blatant penalty, that's a blatant penalty. And uh, obviously the penalty laws, I mean, they, they, they change every fucking season. But if that was the other way around... And it's like, well, if it's not given, then, well, it's, you know, handball is handball. And that's that's pretty high up. I, I can understand why it's not given. I, I'm not saying, you know, what I'm saying is it's not 100%. That's what I was going to say. Uh, it's, I've got two controversial things I'm probably going to throw at them and probably quickly, quickly try and shut up. Is that the way the ball's fired at him live. Yeah. And the thing that makes people, I think, myself included, initially go handball was that he moves his arm out but it hits him on the angle of the arm and the shoulder yeah. doesn't it it's not a it just it, it, i think it's the action as much as anything that makes you think handball I, what i would say is if if it was a handball i'm gonna i'm gonna go against what chris said earlier I, I don't think the arsenal man should have been sent off for the for the second challenge i think he wins the ball and then he takes it taylor but, <laughs> <laughs> have you have my... you just converted to arsenal mid-podcast <laughs> Well, you know they've got a they've got a prominent fan TV channel. It's it's time that you Dan's know. just auditioning man, man like Dan. <laughs> well, the talent. Now listen here, blood. So, I'm going to leave. Now listen that here, there. blood. Now, now, blood. I'm not. I'm not buying that blood. It's it's one of the it's one of these decisions. Oh, come on, where fan. It's one of those decisions, the Horaham one, where have you seen them given? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But if it happens against you, are you raging? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But um, if that was in our if that was an, in our box and Arsenal got a penalty for that, I think we would be up in arms as well. Absolutely, that's I mean you, you'd be raging yeah. if it's given against exactly, you. Exactly, yeah, one hundred percent. But but that's but that's where the grey area with handball is. The I mean the thing against the Arsenal guys, this isn't a point blank shot, is it? He's far enough away. Yeah. You know, it's not like you get those little ones where it's flicked up and there's no <laughs> way in hell he can react to it. But and, and do you know what? To be brutally honest, for the yet again the way we played. Similar to other games where we maybe haven't got a break, I just think, do you know what? Did we do enough to deserve a break at that no, point in the game? No, not at all. No, absolutely not. Yeah, you know, it's like 
Are we getting any luck? No, but are we are we, are we earning ourselves any luck? Scabbing at the around absolutely, at the death for a penalty. Yeah, if you blame no. it on that and then move on, then it's like you're not looking at the problem because that wasn't the problem. That wasn't the reason why we didn't get anything from this game. Do you still think it was a sending off, Chris? I'll, I'll give you two minutes to go <laughs> yeah. and look at the video again. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it goes to, it goes to VAR, doesn't it? To, yeah. to make sure it's not a straight red. Because he goes, he gets a little bit oh, of the ball. You're he goes on straight VAR over the now, are you? He changed his tune. You don't need to, Dan. You can see it live in real time. <laughs> I would entertain this discussion if he hadn't had a yellow card before. Exactly. Absolutely. That's the thing. Because he's on a yellow. Is it a stupid tackle? Yeah. Like if oh, our yes. player did that, you'd be like, what are you doing, you twat? Yeah. If we were arguing over should that be a straight red, then that's the conversation. But yellow card that's fine it doesn't matter I'm an Arsenal fan there I mean you compare that to the second yellow on Monday night against West Ham <laughs> was that a red clearly not <laughs> so we've had two reds go our way and you think oh god there's this virtue signaling that, that I see on social media where people are going oh I can't believe people are already saying Smith out there's blah 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 and I would see these tweets and I, and I don't see anything on my timeline people saying Smith out criticism really isn't it that's all it is you know obviously we've seen this over the bloody years because we've been in so many dark corners but it's the same people doing it mm. and and it's not the first time where I mean this is early days in a managerial uh, career in terms of Smith and I'm looking at my timeline I think well unless I'm just following smarter people nobody's going crazy saying Smith out Smith out they are, we're never going to go anywhere with Smith etc etc it's just people they've probably seen it once or twice from some psychopath or you know numpty and <laughs> and uh, suddenly it's the twat at the back suddenly reacted you know <laughs> making some grand self-virtuous statements when it doesn't really exist but it all builds this big fire that there's the smith out and the smith in and you know, that's bullshit no nobody with half a brain's thinking smith out i mean it's nonsense <laughs> i mean it would have been a really interesting sort of um place online to see if it would have been three nil down and down to 10 men at half-time, but come back in the second half and scored two goals. That The fans would have been going, oh, yeah, fucking buzzing for Burnley on Saturday. Yeah. We've got all the momentum going into the game. And you think, what? It's, it's, you know, it's just a, a false narrative. It's a bit more of akin to banging your head against a wall in terms of, because it's just it's another game. I mean, like Spurs, if we got a draw out of Spurs, I think we would have been chuffed with that. Even though we were 1-0 up with you know a matter of minutes to play, I think we were expecting uh, for Spurs to score at some point in that game. But this game was different. There was a real opportunity to win a la the West Ham game, and that's the frustration here. They feel like missed opportunities. Yeah, and then you start to look at the league table, which is starting to have credence. I mean, we're only a few more games away from credence. And then you're looking at one win, (laughs) one win in six, and then it's, well, what what kind of games are are we expected to win? Because, you know, Burnley are going to be no pushovers when they turn up at Villa Park. Norwich, I mean, Norwich are looking at us and thinking, well, there's three points. Fresh meat. All of a sudden, you're looking down the... The fixture list through sort of you know the end of September, October, and into Praying November for wolves, and you're <laughs> you're all of a sudden you're you're, you're piling pressure on yeah, yourself. Exactly. You're thinking, well, we've got we've got Burnley yeah. at home. Well, that's the team we're going to be around us. Yeah. We've got to win that. We've got to go tonight. You've got to get a result. Then you got Brighton at home in October. We think we've got to get a result there because we've got Man City away the next week, and then the week after that you have got Liverpool that's at home. Nil. <laughs> so it's kind of like you're really piling the pressure on to get these results against teams you know are going to be around you because we've already Oh, it's like points. 2015 all over again. I've missed it. Then you remind people, well, the two teams that you're expected to be around us, uh, Palace and Bournemouth, they both beat us. So this is, this is yeah. the issue here. It doesn't matter who we're playing, we've got to take any opportunity to get points. We've had two great, great opportunities. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
with unexpected ones as exactly well, that's a good point mm. yeah it's, it's a strange one because you can you know you can reconcile well before the game would have you know if we got beat 3-2 by Arsenal you thought well you know fair enough if you've got a draw against West Ham you thought fair enough but that's it's not how the game actually in game panned out. So you leave that with your confidence taken a, a a bash, morale's a little bit down because you players are mentally they've they've they're thinking, Well, we've squandered an opportunity there. So it's not exactly raising you up for the next game, if you know what I mean. Mentally it's uh, putting you on a bit of a downer. And you don't want to be going into six pointers in September. Yeah. Which while yeah. I don't think it's a necessarily a six pointer in terms of the actual literal league table in terms of over the course of the 38 games is this the kind of game that Villa have to be winning absolutely well you can't win one in six I know that and yeah you get relegated that's you know that's simple as that isn't it yeah 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 yeah. it's simple maths isn't it and I don't think that's you know people people will often have to know over the years come come from the side and scream negativity and, and stop calling us the doomsday merchants i suppose there has to be a realism and, and i think the way, what we try well my view is that we could be in a lot better shape than we are uh had it not for him been for a large number of unforced errors that's the hot take is the errors in mm. we're doing the hard part and then uh like in that especially in the final third just these unforced errors mm-hmm. yeah because because everybody knew it would be difficult but yeah, yeah. You, you kind of have, I think nobody would have given a shit if we'd have gone to the Emirates and got hammered four or five nil if we'd have actually ground out the win against West Ham. Yeah. You know, you pick if you can pick up those points where you think, yeah, we could do with a win tonight, brilliant. And then games like Arsenal and City, Liverpool, etc., they're all bonus games. Mm. But we haven't actually been really spanked yet. <laughs> you wait till the Etihad. <laughs> <laughs> when, we're, when we're wearing that fucking Spider-Man green kit, third kit as well. Oh, God, we're not wearing They just designed it for the beating. At- <laughs> uh, just, uh, Chris, you mentioned earlier on, uh, we'll come to the end uh, talking about this game. I mean, a, a lot of what transpired in this game is what we spoke about in, in episode 85, uh, where we talked about deficiencies on the flanks. And one guy that was obviously back that didn't play against West Ham was Trezeguet. You gave him a big, well, first 45 minutes, you said you were impressed by him. I I, I kind of beg to differ. What, what grade would you give him? I'd give him a B. I'd give him a B. It's more, to, you know, a step in the right direction. You, you kind of look at him and go, yeah, that's the player that we were kind of expecting with more to come, but... When it's those moments, those defining moments, he's had a couple where he's had, when he's through and he's had a shot and he had one today and it's just like, eh, A, should he be shooting from there? Because it, it was never going to trouble uh, the keeper. He's not that player when he's through. I'm not I'm not expecting mm. anything is what I'm saying. I'm not expecting anything from him. I mean, I think you could apply that to a few of our players at the moment. Why are you giving him a, a B just out of interest? Because I think it's it was very much a step in the right direction. I look at where he's been in previous games and I think, do you know what? Mm. You are, that was a much improved performance. Is he the finished article? Absolutely yeah. not. But in terms of did he show enough that he's he knows what his job is and he has the potential to do some team's damage? Absolutely. Yeah. Because he was the outborn, and I think he did a really good job with that. I think he's going to obviously have to build a relationship with Gilbert. That will be important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think probably Gilbert helped him a lot because Gilbert was bombing on with him. They'd almost they were almost running next to each other at yeah, some point. Yeah, yeah. In terms of was his final product there? Not always. Did he get into a good position? And yet again, like so many Villa players of late, you think just wrap your foot round it and deliver, or 
Mm. Actually, if you if you're gonna have a shot, have a yeah. shot. Just back yourself, and it's, it's the same applies to so many of them. I've said it to umpteen the bloody starting lineup. Just back your ability and go for it. I'm not gonna like moan at you if you put on a but over the bar, but have a go. You can almost hear his brain whirring at the moment. Should I should I pass this? Should I shoot? Mm. Should I pass? And it's as you said, you have got to back your own ability. Yes. We're not an oiled unit that's playing yeah. on instinct at the moment. I think there's a lot of people who are having to really kind of process a lot. Yeah. What what grade would you give uh, Mr. El Ghazi? I think El Ghazi has been one of our most underwhelming performers this season. But in this game? Yeah. Uh, in, in this game, I, I think, I mean, I, I gave him a very low rating for the game. I was just, as we were talking about Trezeguet, I was just actually looking back at what I scored. I think he was one of our poorer performers overall. I give him a C-, minus. all the ability, overplays, and doesn't give, not a team player for me. Needs to be more. What would you say, Chris, in terms of grade? I'd go with a a C, and that's only because he got the assist. If you take the assist off him, his score's plummeting. Just one final one, just an interesting one. This is a grade for the season thus far. Jack Grealish, do you want a drum roll? Um, (laughs) In terms of. I'm going to, do you know what? But based on his own expectation, I'm going to say a C. You fat bastard. I'm going to say right, a C. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Because I, I think he's had some oh, really yeah. good moments, but <laughs> by his own expectations, has he reached his own heights? No, because he's even he's, he said he, has, he said he hasn't himself. That's not to say he's been bad by any means, but has he reached the level of hype that was built up for him before the season? No. I think that's a fair comment. And Dan, what would you uh, give him? I'll give him a B minus. Just, just to annoy Chris, because it's slightly more yeah. than that. I, <laughs> I was, saying, uh, I was, I was singing C plus, <laughs> but I, I was quite happy to back Chris's judgment there, because as he says, it's it's the potential, oh, isn't it? It's what he could bring to the table, what we need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but Neil Lamptey had potential. I mean, what a run that was! <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have all the hype. Julian Joachim had potential. No, he was a club <laughs> Club neck, no neck. Julian Joachim did score goals, though. <laughs> he did, to be fair. Yeah, That's true. He, did. he was super sub, wasn't he, for a long time? Right. We'll uh, obviously discuss. I'm hoping for a better, brighter performance against Burnley. It's going to be a draw uh, in the in the next podcast. <laughs> We're going to win, Dave. We promise you we will bring a Scott Hogan touch count meter for your uh, He hasn't for turned up pleasure. for a while, has no, he? He's, he's, as I mentioned at the top of the show, he didn't play. I mean, they took uh, Lee Gregory off, who normally plays as a lone man, and brought Sam Vokes on instead. It was a nil-nil draw against Brentford. That point actually moved them off the bottom of the table, where they were replaced by those manager-stealing scumbags, Huddersfield Town, or manager-stealing bastards, should I say. Who the bag is, thank you, bag beat them 4-2 so uh, Stoke maybe maybe a slow baby steps uh, out of that but Hogan if he's he's now I mean it's pretty obvious he's third choice so the Scott Hogan touch count meter is going to uh, maybe have to diversify change its name maybe this is Scott Hogan's way of like introducing his own like responsible drinking thing maybe he found out that we've got a gin sponsor <laughs> and thought I can't have that I can't promote <laughs> don't mention like, the don't mention the name because they, they only uh, gave us enough gin for one one episode so uh, for, for one game of football during Aston Villa. What's that fountain, the new fountain uh, outside the library in Birmingham, uh, outside the Rep Theatre and Symphony Hall, more specifically? I don't know what it's called, but it looks pretty cool. So I was down there uh, Saturday evening and there was a lot of pissed up Preston fans uh, dancing through <laughs> it, running through it 
running through all the uh, the squirts, and then at the end, one of them uh, slipped up and went straight into uh, like an eight nine year old girl and wiped her out, which uh, <laughs> was uh, not not ideal. I think he sobered up instantly. But uh, but anyway, thank you for Preston for visiting our uh, city and beating the blues while you were here as well. Right then, it's I hope it's not going to be one of those seasons, guys, where we're having to. Uh, I thought the last show against West Ham, we were even though we we hadn't got the win that you know we we were in uh, good spirits and had a good laugh in this one in the background there's that slow resignation that uh, oh, it's not going to be one of those seasons is it where we're just chipping away I don't want to be one of those teams who goes down but they go oh but weren't they plucky didn't they have a good go didn't they play really nice football you think oh, they'll get promoted off. next season no problem yeah if they can just keep that team together oh yeah. oh Wait. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we will hopefully have some evolution in the next few games. I mean, it made me laugh. I just saw on Twitter, which I'm, I'm distancing myself from more and more these days. Somebody said, I can't believe I'm about to have a poll on whether Smith should be in or out. I said, what do you mean? You can't, Just don't do it, you fool. <laughs> it's like the fall, I'm, I can't believe I'm forcing myself to do this. can't believe I'm forcing my clickbait on everyone. So if you could vote on the next Villa Manager poll on <laughs> VillaUnderground.com. Give your top three suggestions. Question. Sam Allardyce. Villa David Underground. Morris. Smith in, Smith out t-shirts are now available. You won't believe what's which, coming Christmas. Which, Stay which, tuned, whichever folks. persuasion you are. <laughs> but no, on a serious note, it's going to be interesting It's Burnley because if Burnley are a potential team that could really frustrate us. but They're a good team. Yeah. Good team. They always give any team a you know real run for the money. They know which games are you know highlighted and I think the game against Villa is highlighted with at least three different fluorescent markers as potential three points. So uh, I think Dice will know that Villa will probably be seeing that as a game we need yeah. to win just to mm. just to keep everything calm and get the shit point in the right direction. And he'll just go, do you know what? We can frustrate the hell yeah. out of and these. It'll be one of those, you know, where they start talking about, yeah, we knew if we you know went one 0 up, it would uh, take the crowd out of the game and uh, turn them mm. against uh, each other. Blah blah blah. And we'll see what the next uh, well October should be a defining month actually we'll have a bit of a insight into what's going to happen because as you know as we said we've got to take these opportunities because you just look at December we've got seven fucking games in December and it's going to be no picnic so the more points you can get now the better it's going to be because we're not exactly uh, the best December team based on recent years anyway right anyway we have a couple of uh, patron shows coming up in the week so stay tuned to those where there'll be a few more laughs than potentially this show but until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye Goodbye. My old man said. Generally, I mean, I can only speak for like, the three of us and various of the people who we regularly speak with online. It's kind of like most of the points we make, you're hearing the same point from Dean Smith. Yeah. We are nowhere near as critical of our team as Dean Smith is. And Grealish has John been McGinn. pretty critical. McGinn's been critical. Mings has been critical. I mean, Grealish slammed his own performance against West Ham. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of like it's fair if if Smith says it, it's kind of like, oh, that's fair game. He's allowed to. But if someone else says it, it's like, nah, yeah, can't you're say being that. Neg- what you yeah, know? you're being negative. It's like you're not allowed to be negative. I'm like, no, but we're we're allowed to actually have an opinion. Yeah, that's all it is. And and you know, mm. we've been doing this for fucking years now. So uh, and we're always right. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs> we've watched enough of Villa in to know end, when Villa are good end, and when Villa are bad. Right. We'll give a it's a balanced argument. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.